everyone and a very warm welcome to morning worship at Hillhead at the Grosvenor. <laughs> well done for getting here and a very special thank you to everyone who guided us here and made all the preparations for our service this morning. Please stay if you can and have some tea or coffee with us at the end of this service. A huge thank you to everybody who has organised stuff for this morning. Um, I know Anne had a list about yay long. I had a list about that long. And lots of people have done all sorts of stuff, uh, getting PA set up, music set up, tweaking the chairs so that they work for us as a, a space to worship. So thank you to everybody. I haven't, I've missed people I know, and I'm sorry, but whoever you are, whatever you've done, thank you. I'm going to aim to keep the service reasonably short, so that's just a note to Sunday school that I'm not going to be preaching a three-hour sermon this morning. I'm aiming for about 10 to 15 minutes tops, so we can get started at 12. Having said that, it's already nearly 10 past 11, so who knows where we're going to go. Our call to worship this morning is Psalm 133. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It's like precious oil on the head, running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord ordained his blessing, his blessing life forevermore. Our opening hymn, all the hymns are on the sheet this morning, uh, is Take This Moment, Sign and Space. And if you're able, I'd love to invite you to stand with me as we sing this song together.
And so we come to God in prayer. And as is our custom, after I've led us in prayer, we join together in the Lord's Prayer in our own first language and preferred version. So let's pray together. God of all times. God of this time. God of all places. God of this place. Here in this place and at this time, we worship you. Even before we woke up this morning, you were already here, filling every corner and crevice of this room, this hotel, with your grace, mercy and love. And now that we are here, your spirit's energy and inspiration infuse our worship and mediate our prayers. And after we have scattered back to homes and families, you will remain here even as you await us wherever we go. This mystery is beyond our understanding, but we delight that it is so. God, whose activity is glimpsed in all of creation. God, whose grace we detect in unexpected ways. Here and now, In this moment, we confess our need of your mercy and redemption. Even when we have worked hard and done our absolute best, we may have fallen short of what we hoped to achieve. There may have been moments when we found frustration or irritation bursting from us in words we cannot retract or in actions we now regret. For the good we have not done, the opportunities we have missed, the pain we have, however inadvertently caused, we apologise. And here's another mystery too wonderful for comprehension. You forgive, you forget, and you free us to move on. God, whose promised kingdom of shalom is the goal we seek to attain. God, who walks with us every step of that journey. We gather our thoughts and prayers together in the words Jesus taught his followers. As we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Now, the eagle-eyed amongst you may have noticed that the front looks a bit different than it normally does. This is the way forward for us. Have church, we'll travel. I actually spent five years lugging a church backwards and forwards every week from my little house to a hall and back again. And it's great. You get into it and it's fine. But I wonder if I could have some help this morning to sort the table because it's not quite how we would normally have it. Does anybody want to come forward and give me a hand? I'm going to open my case. And I'm going to need some help, and we're going to try and get things out in a roughly the right order. Um, I wonder, Sarah, could you just lift the flowers off for, for now? We'll pop the flowers back on at the end, but I don't want them to get knocked off. Um, just pop them on the floor, perhaps near Paul. That would be great, lovely. Okay, so we've got lots of objects to put on the table that are normally on our table. So here's the first one, and I need... Probably a couple of people to put this one on. We've got our tablecloth, haven't we? So who would like to put the tablecloth on for us? Yep, thank you, Rory and Lois and Bonnie. That's going to be good. Come on then, you three come and help me put the tablecloth on. Let's get a corner each. Can we get a corner of the tablecloth each? This is going to be fun. This is how church should be, lots of fun. Do you want to grab a corner, Bonnie? That's lovely. Do you boys want to grab a corner each? Yep, it doesn't matter if it doesn't go on as straight as it normally does. This is not um, oops, this is not quite for show. I've just knocked my spare bottle of water over. That's it. Can we get this up on the table? That's lovely. Thank you, Bonnie. And can we just drop that bit down the front to cover up? Now, this is our sort of red cloth, but kind of burgundy colour. But we have different colour cloths through the year so that we can mark what ch- season of the church year it is. And we're in a, a celebration season at the moment, so we have... A red cloth. Now, we have another cloth here. Who would like to pop this one on the table who hasn't already done one? Fergus and Freya, you sort that one out for me. Pop that on the table. I'll just move the case so you can get through. This is one of our African cloths. And this was given to us by one of our African students when they went home to help us remember them. And it reminds us that we as a church are part of a much bigger thing than just us at Hillhead at the Grosvenor, which sounds very posh. We are part of the World Church. That's lovely. Thank you very much. Now, the next one. Sam, would you like to pop this on the table for me? What have we got there? Somebody shout it out for us. Yeah, we've got a cross. Thank you, Sam. That's great. I might just have to... I think we've knocked the projector skew-iffy, but that's okay. I'll just pop that to there, can I? Is that all right? So the cross... What does the cross remind us of? What do you think? (coughs) Yes, Amelia. It reminds us of Jesus, that's right. And this cross was a present to our church from one of the former ministers. I think, was it Mr. Keeble? Yeah, Bruce Keeble gave us that. That's quite appropriate since we're having an interview with him this evening. And he gave that as a leaving present, I think, to the church, or a present to the church anyway. And it reminds us about Jesus, but it also reminds us of our own history because he was a minister going back. And we have another one that reminds us of our history. Who would like to pop that one on? Um, who's not done anything yet? Aidan. Would you like to pop that on the table? So this is a chalice that was at Partick. Can I point on the inside? Oh, that's okay. That can go there. That's great. We have a rearrangement today. It's fabulous. Um, so this was from Partick, which was one of our mission churches. 
Um, it's 1898. That was when it was founded. Yep, so that was the year that my granddad was born. So the year my granddad was born, this church founded a church in Partick. And when that mission church gained its independence, it grew up and went its own way. They very kindly returned these silver cups to us. So we use this at communion. It reminds us about communion and the last supper that Jesus had with his friends. But it reminds us of our connection with other Baptist churches as well. Now, this one's very heavy, so I think I'll do the the heavy bit. And who's not done anything yet who would like to? Amelia, do you want to do the Bible for me? And do you want to open it up where the bookmark is? So why do you think we put a Bible on our table? I'm just going to pop that over here so it hopefully won't get too much in the way of the projector when we strain it up again. Can you manage? Why do you think we pop a Bible up on the... On the, on the t- Even the grown-ups can join in. You don't have to sit there. We have a Bible because we have a Bible. Why do you think we have the Bible on the, on the table? To remind us what Jesus did for us. Thank you, Ruth. Absolutely. To remind us what Jesus did for us. This is the story that lies at the heart of what we are as a church. So we have a Bible up every week to help us, to remind us of the, of the stories of Jesus. And I like it opened at the page that we're going to talk about because I think that's quite useful. And we've got one new item that is normally on the wall at the moment over the road. And that's our beautiful community quilt. And it's really important that this carries with us, because that speaks of the church now, doesn't it? It's got our names on it. So that reminds us that we are all part of the church. Is there somebody who's not put anything on the table who would like to? Max, do you want to help me put this on the table? No? Okay, Lewis, come on, you come and help me again. Yeah, we'll pop this one across the middle. That's lovely, thank you. We'll just pop that that way. Oops. Stand the cross back up. That's great. Thank you. So all these symbols remind us of our church. They kind of help to make this space special for us. But what really makes it special isn't these objects, lovely as they are. It's Max and Merida and Sarah and Bonnie and Anita and Kathy and Drew and Ailey and Ruth and... Paul and Alan and everybody who's here. I can't do all the names, otherwise we'd be still here at two o'clock. But that's what makes the place special. That's the kind of what the church is about. It's all of us that make the church. We make a sacred space, if you like, when we come together to worship God and to listen to the stories of Jesus. So thank you for your help. That's brilliant. I'll just see if I can get this thing to point back at the screen. And then we're going to sing one of my favourite silly songs... Um, I am the church, you are the church. And if any small people feel that they would like to jig about in the middle of the floor while we're singing that, or go and shake hands with people, that would be really good, because we are all the church together. So thank you for your help. There we go.
Our scripture reading this morning comes from uh, two portions of the New Testament. The first is from Acts chapter 2, verses 44 to 47. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Our second passage is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 27. Paul says to us, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect." whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, 
giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. anybody else but I'm enjoying all the different voices of the keyboard it's, it's great isn't it last Saturday I was at the Baptist Assembly held jointly by the Baptist Union of Great Britain and BMS World Mission and it was as it always is a curious blend of inspiration and irritation of catching up with old friends and meeting new people of listening to reports attending to admin and sharing in worship. And it took place, as it so often does nowadays, not in a church, but in a conference centre. In the past, I've attended assemblies in hotels with up to 2,000 delegates from all over England, Wales, a few from Scotland and the odd one from Spain, because there are churches in membership with BUGB in all those countries. There you go, see we are in Europe, whether we want it or not, whatever your views are. More recently, though, as the case were in Oxford, it was a much smaller thing in a conference centre in the middle of an industrial estate. And there, in that place, which could just as easily have been used by a political party or a trade union or a professional body, we worshipped God. And then on Sunday, I preached at St. James's Road Baptist Church in Watford as the guest of their minister, Alice McDermott, who some of you may remember preached for us at Hillhead when she began her training at the Scottish Baptist College. There weren't any music, musicians available that day, so we sang to backing tracks as the words appeared on the screen at the front of a small 1960s Baptist church which has only recently removed its pews in favour of chairs. The service began with communion served by the children. Then they left for Sunday school into a hall several doors down the road, not just along a corridor, but actually out of the building, down the road and into a hall. And I preached to a congregation of around about 20 adults. But in that place, 
in its own unique style, which frankly would drive me round the bend, but that's okay, we worshipped God. It's not right or wrong, it's different. And this Sunday, we are all together in a borrowed upstairs room in unfamiliar surroundings. I kind of like the fact that we're in a borrowed upstairs room because that feels very Jesus-like, doesn't it? And I'm sure there are a few people who are a little bit tense or a little bit anxious, and that's okay. And there are some people who perhaps, without meaning to, are kind of spotting the things that we're not so sure about, that we're a bit uncomfortable about, or we don't like. That's the way you're wired. That's okay. But please tell me, or, well, no, tell me. Don't tell other people, because I don't want other people to have to carry that. But tell me if there's something you're uncomfortable about. But what I really hope is that every single one of us will find something, no matter how small, that's exciting or refreshing or encouraging. We need to name the strangeness and we need to acknowledge the questions or concerns. Actually, we're not here for that. We're here to worship God. Before I turn to reflecting on the scriptures, I want to tell you a story about a lady called Betty, a woman called Betty, and that is her real name, And I'm sharing her story with her permission because she rang me up on Monday to apologise for not having been at the Baptist Assembly so we couldn't catch up for a chit-chat there. Betty is 80 years old and in her high heels she stands about 4 foot 10. She was born and bred in Leicestershire with some Scottish roots. Uh, She instructed me quite well on various Scottish phrases. She's kind and funny and generous. She's self-aware and she is incredibly honest. She's one of those people who will tell you straight. So she rang me to apologise for not having been able to catch up at Baptist Assembly and we chatted about how our church is going and their church is going and then we got on to buildings and the challenges of moving out and moving on. I can't do a Leicestershire accent. I kind of do a Northamptonshire one, but this is what Betty said. You know me, I loved our chapel, and I was heartbroken when we moved out. And I really wasn't sure about going to the school on a Sunday. But within a few weeks, I'd stopped thinking of it as going to school, and I would speak of going to church. I realised that you could worship the Lord anywhere, even in the middle of a field. It's the people that make the church, isn't it? It's the people. And of course, she's right. It is the people who make the church, not the building. We know that. But it doesn't stop it feeling quite unsettling for people who find themselves thrust on this journey of tabernacling, even for a relatively short time, and even with a promise to return home at the end of it. And I do get that. And just as I get it, I'm confident that we not only can and will come through this, quite possibly stronger. But no matter how many times I've said that, and I have said it quite a lot, I know that I can't make you feel that confidence. It's not just enough for me to feel confidence. We all have to find our own way through this. So I I acknowledge that. But all I can do, and I do do, is ask you to trust me 
you called me nearly seven years ago now, scary though that is, because you thought I was a person that God was calling to lead and guide this church in some way for the foreseeable future. So please keep trusting me and trusting God, of course. But also please trust the managers. These are the people that we choose and we elect by secret ballot and then we entrust with looking after these things that we can't all be doing all the time. These managers have been carrying a huge weight of responsibility well, the last 15 years since the first issues with the building arose. But the last couple of years, let's just say Anne's on first names with Baptist Insurance. Katrina's on first names with people about money. Neil knows everything there is to know about pat testing and water meters and roof surveys. These people are doing all sorts of things so that the rest of us don't have to worry about it. So trust them too. But also, trust yourselves. Trust yourselves because you are worth trusting. Encourage each other. Pray with each other. Talk to each other. If you can remember back a couple of years when we did the pledge day, there were soft pledges, pledges that weren't about money, that were about community. When loads of people said, I promise to encourage other people in church if they're having a bit of a wobble. That wasn't quite the language we used, but that was what we meant. I promise to pray for this project as it goes forwards. I promise to stick in even when it's going tough. And I thank you for that, those who were part of that. And I just ask you to call that to mind and trust yourselves to honour those promises because I trust you to do so. So to the passages of scripture. You know fine well that the image of the church as a human body is probably one of my favourite. I love it because it acknowledges and celebrates diversity. It doesn't say that we all have to be the same. I love it because it not only models but exemplifies interdependence. Nobody can do it all on their own. It's the passage, or one of the passages I used last week at St. James's Road. And I reminded them, as I remind us, that every single person in the church matters. No one is more important and no one is less important. And when I was talking to the people at St. James's Road, I used this rather naff illustration, but bear with me. I talked about eating an ice cream. Really simple, everyday task. But you need an awful lot of body parts to work together to do it. You need your eyes to work so you can see it. You need a hand to hold the spoon and the bowl or the cone. You need a tongue to lick it, a throat to swallow it, and a stomach to digest it. And if any one of those isn't functioning, it becomes a lot more difficult, if not impossible. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you nor the ear to the foot, or whatever it may be. Everybody, every member matters. And none matter more than the others. We're all of equal worth. In the months ahead, we will need more than ever to try to live out that truth, both practically and personally. 
on Sundays and in the week, spiritually and physically. It's not going to be a stroll in the park, I know that. But it will be worth it. In the first few chapters of Acts, we get some glimpses of what life was like for the very earliest Christians. Almost all of them were Jewish by birth and practice and based near Jerusalem or in Jerusalem, so they could go to the temple for all the prescribed rituals. Now, going to the temple wasn't going to Sunday service as we know it. You went to make sacrifices. You went as new parents to dedicate your child. You went to pay your temple tax, whatever it was. And it was bustling. There were people coming and going all the time. There were tourists from around the Roman Empire visiting, wondering what this curiosity was. There were people in the, the court of the Gentiles. There were pilgrims and so on and so on and so on. So what they also started to do was to meet together in their homes small informal gatherings over meals during which they could break bread, tell the stories of Jesus and remember all he had taught them. It would be hundreds of years, literally, before churches had official buildings and a ritualised form of worship. In those days, it was just a group of friends to meet together, to share stories, perhaps to sing, to pray together, to encourage each other, to face different kinds of challenges and support each other. Perhaps they discussed what was going on in the wider world. But they built deep, strong relationships. Later, as the movement spread out and after the expulsion from the temple and the synagogues, these small house churches would form connections. And eventually, what had become as homey and pastoral little groups did form an institution. Over the years, we've kind of lost sight of our origins. We've got so busy with all the stuff we have to be busy with around charity law and looking after buildings and stuff that we've lost sight that once it wasn't like that. I know because people have told me that there are some concerns that as we move out of our building, we'll just drift apart. That somehow without a building that says Hillhead Baptist Church on the front of it, that we come to, most of us, for one hour a week, we have no common identity. And at one level, that that troubles me, really. Because it sounds as if we see ourselves as individuals who essentially consume church in the way we might go out for dinner. We're surrounded by other people of like mind. We're doing something together for an hour, but then off we go again. But I don't honestly think that's what people think. That's what it sounds like, but I don't think that's what you think, what any of us thinks. Because as we sing, and as our faith suggests, we are a church who recognises that the church is the people, and that everybody matters, and that we do recognise our commitment to that, our interdependence with one another. In case you don't know, and maybe you don't, so I'm just telling you for information, the pastoral team have already drawn up great long lists of the people they're going to look out for, specifically whilst we're out of the building. And already other people, myself and other people, are starting to invite small groups of folk to come round and have meals and break bread together. And over time, we hope to invite everybody to come and just be part of a potluck supper Perhaps with breaking of bread, perhaps not, whatever people are 
comfortable with. And already through the coffee club and the theological reflection group and Friday friendship and the Sunday school and all the things that I've forgotten because I'm good at forgetting things, we're making relationships and we're strengthening relationships. And so in closing this reflection, I'm just going to invite us to take a minute of silence. And for each of us in that silence, to give thanks to God for what we value about this church and to make a commitment known only to God of how we will play our parts, however big or small, in working together in the challenges that lie ahead of us. So let's be quiet for just a minute. Amen. The church is wherever God's people are praising, knowing they're wanted and loved by their Lord. The church is wherever Christ's followers are trying to live and to share out the good news of God. We stand, if we're able, as we sing. Dear God, we come to you in surroundings different from where as a group we do so in other weeks. Our usual place of meeting isn't far away, but the circumstances today are very different. Rather than being separated from others and their activities, we have around us a busy building, which for some people is a place of work, 
and for others a place in which to rest, eat, socialise or meet. Many of these people will be away from the place they consider to be home, some for long periods of time, others for just a day or two. Please be with them all and give comfort to those among them who feel lonely or tired. We also think about the place in which we meet regularly, of our neighbours there. A few are known to some of us, but we do not know all. As we strive towards new beginnings on that site, we pray for those who live close by or who pass it, our regular place of worship. Please help us to find a future in which those around us can feel that our church is part of their lives, not only as a useful and attractive venue, but a spiritual and supportive home. We pray for other churches and Christian communities who, daunted by ever smaller congregations and decrepit premises, struggle to see a future. Whatever the circumstances, whether prosperous or debt-laden, please help us all to remember that the church exists for much more than the management of buildings. We pray for people who have so many responsibilities they are confused as to which part of the body they are. Be with those who feel depressed by their current circumstances within Christianity. Some may be unsure of their faith or with feelings of helplessness as they sense Christianity is being in general ridiculed, discarded and pushed to the margins of society and culture. Some who have spent a lifetime in the church, but now feeling dulled by ritual and routine, may have lost the zest their faith once had. We pray for those who, for reasons of doctrine or having beliefs that do not allow them to accept changes within their church, have left and struggle to find a new place. For those who would love to be in church, but through poor health, lack of access to a place of worship, or fear of persecution, cannot attend. Also for those who have faith, but see organised religion as irrelevant, judgmental, or divisive. In any of these circumstances, it can be difficult to see oneself as a useful part of Christ's body. Please help everyone to believe that wherever they find themselves, they have an important part to play. And help us all to give each other the encouragement that is necessary in order that the whole body fulfills its purpose. Amen.
Loving God, you have blessed us with so many good things and we bring these gifts of money and we bring with them ourselves that each may play its part in the work of your kingdom as part of the body of Christ in this place. Amen. So we are going to end by singing in English and in, I'm not quite sure which language, we are marching in the light of God. Please stand if you're able as we sing. continue to seek God in the context of our church meeting. May God bless us with love, courage, compassion and commitment today and always.